Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online sales for cars now available. Go online, check out the product line. Great interest rates, great deals. And uh, that's at Sunbury Motors. And don't forget the Sunbury Motors Service Department. Service parts, they take care of business. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, Actually, a big news day already, and it's uh, not the draft. We'll get to the draft in a minute. Muffet McGraw has stepped down as the women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Uh, this is one of the all-time great coaches. Uh, winning national championships 33 years. Uh, she'll be replaced by former assistant uh, Niall Ivory, who played for uh, Notre Dame. She's going to announce her retirement in a virtual news conference at 4.30 this afternoon. Uh, this is, Muffet McGraw would be the equivalent in women's basketball of Pat Summit saying that she'd step down, or if Gina Oriema did, or if um, maybe Don Staley uh, and... Uh, And of course, at well, the at Baylor, uh, who was the point guard at Louisiana Tech. I saw her when she was the point guard at Louisiana Tech. I saw her play against Penn State. Uh, in fact, I announced the game. Um, but I mean, that's the equivalent. I mean, in women's basketball—they're really a handful of signature coaches. Muffet McGraw is absolutely one of them, and she's going to step down as Notre Dame's head coach. I uh, only had a chance to meet her once, and believe it or not, that was a couple of two years ago uh, at the when Penn State was in the NIT. 
Penn State went out to play the second round of the NIT at Notre Dame, and she stopped by shoot around. You know, because you know Pat, you know Pat's a Philly guy, and and they were getting ready. What was happening is that. Uh, the NIT was being played around the first two rounds of the NCAA Women's Tournament. So, uh, Muffet McGraw's team had won. I think they were playing Villanova in the second round. And she stopped by shooting around. So, it's the only time I ever had a chance to talk with her. Um, but that was a big story today. And then the other one. Uh, where Matt says the Red Sox, you say your team got lucky. I'm not so sure about that. Um, Major League Baseball has determined the Red Sox replay official is primarily to blame for the 2018 sign stealing scandal. The problem that you got here is every single Red Sox player said, "Ah, uh, no." That's the that's the issue here. No, one after another. You don't now. What you don't have in this situation, what you don't have in this situation, that the Astros had to deal with. And that is a former player playing for another team saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we did it, which is what happened with Mike Fires. Well, the Red Sox don't have that. They don't have that that guy that you know because they change teams so often. Um, uh, that That's bound to happen. I mean, it's bound to happen. That's why we won't let the suit go. He'll go to another radio station and he'll just blab about everything. You know, it's like, I mean, you talk about job security. I mean, you know where I'm going, don't you, man? <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, I know everything. I've got all the secrets. Um, so the Red Sox are going to lose a second round pick. Um, it doesn't look like they're getting fined, though. They're going to uh, uh, replay operator J.T. Watkins will be banned through the 2020 playoffs and forbidden to perform replay duties during the 2021 season. Okay. Um, Of course, we went through the Astros thing. It's worth noting the Red Sox penalties were always going to look less severe when stacked against the Astros. Part of Houston's punishment entailed season-long suspensions for Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch. Subsequently, each was fired. No penalties could be handed to current Red Sox employees as they changed general managers, Dave Dombrowski, who was dismissed. And because of Cora's involvement with Houston, they they got rid of him. But it should be pointed out that when it comes to Dombrowski, and we've kind of let out little bits and pieces here and there, Dombrowski was already cleared in this, and the word was out that Dombrowski was cleared, what was it, Matt, two months ago? Yeah, yes, I believe so. And same thing with uh, interim manager, uh, manager Ron Renicki, who's the bench coach on that team. Same thing. He already had been cleared. Um, and Renicki will serve as the manager in 2020. The Red Sox are expected to conduct a full managerial search after the 2020 season is played. But they didn't even get, as a team, they didn't even get fined. What does that tell you? Okay, so this guy did something. It doesn't really say it goes anywhere. And they already cleared the general manager. They'd already cleared the bench coach. 
they're in the players are all saying no, nothing, you know, nothing happened. Joe Kelly said, he said, if we're stealing, in fact, you know what the irony is? Here's the irony. Think about this. Only one Red Sox postseason loss occurred on the road. Remember, they beat the Yankees three games to one, but they split in Boston. They beat the Astros four games to one and split in Boston. Now, they swept the Dodgers in the first two games. Then they went to Los Angeles, and they lost game three. So the Red Sox lost five, what, three games in the postseason? Two of the three were at home, where allegedly you'd have the advantage, right, Matt? Yeah, at home, yes. Yeah. Which is a fair point on your part. Uh, I mean, that that's what's interesting about this. I mean, I'm not here defending the whatever. I mean, if this guy did something wrong, he's got to be out. If they if the Red Sox deserve $5 million in fines and people get fired and the whole deal, good. I have no... Right? I have... If, Rooting for a team is different for me now than 20 years ago. It really is. Yeah, I think you've kind of noticed. I'm like, oh yeah, it's great. I'm happy they won. You know, it's nice. If they got if they got nailed for doing this, then they would have deserved it, and I would have said, good, they deserve it. Didn't I say that about the Red Sox thing? Would you think that hit? Yes. yes. I said, if the Red Sox deserve it, they deserve it. Let them have it. So this isn't like, oh, the big Red Sox fans defending him. Obviously, if you're going to st- go after this guy and get rid of him, and you don't even, you know, and it's a second round pick, right, which is symbolic, really. That becomes a symbolic thing. And you don't even find the team. Where. It shows that, uh, like, maybe there's a little bit of smoke, but there's really not much fire. Uh, And again, Dombrowski had already been cleared. So the GM was cleared, whereas Luno was not. Renneke, the bench coach, was already cleared, whereas Cora, as the bench coach in Houston, was not. So that's what I find interesting about this report is there's very little there and that's it obviously the last night uh, MLB network was it yesterday I think it was yesterday um, played Sean Manaya's no hitter against the Red Sox in 2018. Obviously, that was on the road. <laughs> Darn. No protection. Uh, let's see. Uh, Manfred Rob Manfred wrote in his report that Watkins, on at least some occasions during the 2018 regular season, utilized the game feeds in the replay room in violation of Major League Baseball regulations to revise signed sequence information that he had permissibly provided to players prior to the game. But his actions, unlike the Astros scheme, was far more limited in scope and impact. 
Manfred wrote that he did not find, this is interesting, Manfred wrote that he did not find that Alex Cora, his coaching staff, the front office, or most of the players on the team knew or should have known that Watkins was utilizing in-game video to update information that he had learned from his pregame analysis. Communication of these violations was episodic and isolated to Watkins and limited to a number of Red Sox players only. It doesn't say which players, though. Yeah, that would be my question, is how the information got relayed from Watkins to the players. Because if the players are saying that they really didn't know or it didn't matter or whatever, right. somebody knew something because it got through to the players anyway from this guy. Manfred wrote that Watkins, on at least some occasions, they had to utilize game feeds, right? Because um, obviously they didn't use trash cans or anything like that. And it sounds like it's it was being episodic. That it it ha, it's it, I read that as to being it happened once in a while. Is that how you read that? Yes. Uh, the way I look at this is this guy J T Watkins basically didn't follow the orders of the of the front office here and and kind of tried to do this every once in a while. But then somehow the players still got this info and it was still and they still used it to their advantage, even though they claimed that they didn't really need it. And the, well, the, the other part, well, the, the other part too was that the 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 coaching staff wasn't involved, right? right. So if the coaching staff's not involved. Okay. Um. And it sounds like it only happened once in a while. Uh, Sam Kennedy, the president of the club, said, "As an organization, we strive for one hundred percent compliance with the rules." See, I wish the suit would start off our staff meetings like that, don't you? <laughs> All right. Major League Baseball's investigation concluded that in isolated incidences during the 2018 season, science sequences were decoded through the use of live game video rather than through permissible means. Major League Baseball, then Kennedy goes on to say, Major League Baseball acknowledged the front office's extensive efforts to communicate and enforce the rules. Okay. They concluded that Alex Cora, the coaching staff, and the vast majority of the players did not even engage in nor were even aware of any violations. Regardless, these rules are uh, violations are unacceptable. We apologize to our fans. So I think that's one of the reasons there's not, there's not even a one dime of fine here. The only the only knock against the team, and again, here's the key: you don't have a former player. See, what really ignited the Astros deal was a former player made the allegation. Now, in order to then get more information, they basically let the players off the hook and open the door for them to talk. I'm not so I don't know when it comes to this there is no former player saying, "Oh yeah, we did it." And see that's one of the keys as to as to why this it only comes out this way because they don't have an, a former player as the quote whistleblower. So the team does it. the Astros got fined 5 million, the GM gets fired, the manager gets fired. But again, Dabrowski had already been cleared, and the coaching staff got cleared. 
the front office, the coaching staff all got cleared, and most of the players, they say the vast majority of the players are cleared. And it happened once in a while, and this, this so one guy gets suspended. In fact, he didn't even get fired. You notice that? And he should have been fired. That's the only big problem I have with this, Steve, is this guy should have been fired totally. Because clearly, as I said before, this guy went out of his way to disobey the orders because it's clearly stated in the report that the communication was made to non-player staff about these violations or potential violations. So what happens, I mean, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like I have no idea who this guy is. Zero. Never even heard of him until I saw this. You wonder if it's like some guy is like, hey, I got this stuff. I can really help the team out. Oh, no question. That's exactly what this is. And I, I can do it. And, you know, which, you know, I understand. But you're right. I mean, you know, he's suspended without pay for years. And... What does it say about 2021 with him? So he, he's he's suspended he's a, through the 2020 playoffs and then from doing the same job in 2021. So basically suspended two full years. From that job? Correct. In other, in other words, the Red Sox, if they wanted to say, okay, look, you did something wrong here. We don't like it. But you know what? We're going to reassign you to doing computer work for our scouting department. Something. Okay, we got a lot going on today. Uh, let's see. Taylor Stubblefield, wide receiver coach. Sal Palantonio. Jerry Dulac tomorrow. I got a lot of notes here on Sal Pal. A lot. Watching the last two nights. A lot of it. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online sales for vehicles now available and rolling. Go online, check out the great product lines, and also check out the great interest rates and deals you can get at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. Uh, And again... uh, The uh, Muffin McGraw stepping down at Notre Dame... 33 years there. And the Red Sox will get docked a second-round pick, and the video employee gets suspended for a year and can't have the same job for two. That's There's no fine. There's no suspension. In fact, the front office, the managerial staff, and it says the vast majority of the players were cleared. Okay. I guess what this guy had was he had a pregame scouting report. Here's the scouting report. Boom. Then during the game, hey, look, they changed their indicator. Hey. Okay, no. It's like, hey, hot shot. Just go back to the replay room and just show the video on the board. Okay? There you go. It's about And again, 
I go back to what I said when the Astros thing came out when it came to the Red Sox. I was very blunt. Everyone knows I am a lifelong Red Sox fan, but I said if they deserve to get hammered for this, hammer them. Because I just think the whole thing's wrong. If they deserve to get hammered, hammer them. All right. Let's get to Taylor Stubblefield, Penn State's wide receiver coach. Uh, talk with Taylor on Saturday, as a matter of fact. It's part of the Tom McGrath virtual tailgate. Gary Goloshevsky, by the way, curator. And uh, Taylor Stubblefield jumped on the virtual tailgate. And, uh, you know, when everything, you know, when going into spring break, it was March 6th. So every, at that point, everybody was allowed players, coaching staff, to scatter and get a little time off. You know, the winter workouts were over. Spring practice was going to begin on the 18th. So Taylor goes down to Miami. Well, he goes down to Miami because I'm going to, that's where his home had been until January 20th. And now, I'm, hey, I'm going to gather my stuff. I'm going to move it up to State College to my new place. Uh, he hasn't been able to leave yet. He's still in Miami. So we had an opportunity to talk with the media this morning, starting with our good friend Rich Scarcella from the Reading Eagle. You you had said, I guess, back in February, you talked about the receivers, but um, who do you think can step up behind Jahan uh, among your group? And secondly, I want to ask you about a local kid. Where do you see Isaac Lutz uh, figuring in uh, your plans for the 2020 season? Yeah, good, good, good question. And um, you know, to, to be honest, I can see uh, quite a few of the guys stepping up. You know, and and that's what's still kind of unknown as far as who, you know, who might have a, a head start over somebody else. Um, but there's 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 some talent in that room. Um, there's some guys in there that that um, that really want to be be great. And so it, it's. It's really going to challenge them over this period of time to see who is uh, learning the playbook the way they need to learn it, who is going out there and working the technique that that uh, we talk about in order to put themselves in the best position once once we have a camp uh, to to be able to do that. So, you know, naming one particular guy, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I can do that. I, I know that I'm excited for the competition in our room to see because because it's going to be flat out open competition. Guys are going to have to show up. Um, so I, I don't know uh, the question that I, to the specific answer to that. I just know that there's a few guys that will have that opportunity. In reference to uh, to Lutz, you know I've, I've enjoyed Lutz. Um, he's he's working hard. I know that. I know he's finding time in a safe place to to get out there and work work on his craft. I know that he's uh, asked great questions in our meetings. He's been top, uh, top of the um, group in, in, in the quizzes that we, we've had. Um, so uh, I am excited to see what he is going to bring to the table in this 2020 season. Next up is Bob Flounders, Penn Live. Hi, Taylor. Thanks for chatting with us today. Hey, no problem. Taylor, um, being a former wideout and coaching uh, for 
for some for a few years now. What would you say are a couple of advantages of playing wide out in an RPO offense? And I know it's early at Penn State for you, but have you noticed anything specific about Kirk Chiraka's RPO that makes it a little different from maybe some others? Um, well, what 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 I like about it is that we have answers. Um, that's what that's what's pretty cool about this offense. You know, sometimes you get into these offenses where you have to be so complex, or we put too much on the players to figure out. And so, what what Coach Rock's uh, offense does is it allows us to put the players in the best position. Now, are we going to do that every single time? No, uh, but the RPO game allows us to put players put defensive players in conflict it allows us to put different uh, defensive players in conflict so they do not know exactly which one we are putting in conflict and we make them to be a little bit more hesitant so um, I know this as a, as, a, as a former wide receiver uh, playing in the slot having to go block a, a linebacker who's typically uh, bigger than you if you get him to hesitate just a little bit that might be an opportunity for you to uh be a little bit more physical uh than 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 you may have if he knew that there is no rpo option so or or a pass option so uh, i think it allows receivers to play uh faster especially in the run game when it is let's say an automatic handoff where you can go where you can be physical you you potentially know that whether it's the outside backer, uh, whether it's a, a safety, you know that you can go and be a little bit more aggressive and not have to worry so much about either, um, you know, the force of it or uh, them trying to juke you one way or the other. Next up is John Petitionock, happyvalley.com. Hey, good morning, Taylor. Appreciate the time today and hope you and your family are doing well. What's going on, John? It's kind of a, a bigger picture question. Going back to your playing days, how have you seen Big Ten office, Big Ten offenses evolve over the last two decades? And in what ways does Penn State's offense distinguish itself from what other schools in the conference are doing, even if it may look similar? You know, uh, this will be my first uh, year coaching in the Big Ten. You know, as, as a player, you know, back in, you know, between 2000 and 2004, you know, it's kind of like us in Northwestern were doing um, kind of similar things. We didn't necessarily have the RPO game. We had more of a run plus an add-on um, where you would pre-snap, look out. Do you feel like you have leverage on, on a defender to throw a bubble? Do you feel like you have numbers? You know, now it's kind of evolved to this to the RPO game, right, where, where you truly – it, 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 in some regards, it's option football you are reading somebody and determining what you're going to do based off of his reaction. And so, um, you know, offenses in general, I mean, shoot, even in the national football league with what guy, with what Baltimore Ravens are doing, it's a little bit more of a college, uh, offense and, and, uh, you know, not as similar to what it has been in the national football league for so, for so long. So, um, <clears throat> It's going to be interesting, you know, to see uh, the different different offenses. I haven't seen a ton of the the Big Ten often offenses over 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 my years, 
being in the ACC and the Pac-12 and some other other conferences. Um, so I, I do know that um, it it has become a little bit more of of a passing offense, uh, passing league than what it had been back when I was playing. You know, back when I was playing, there was Ron Dane. There's some big old dudes in the in the uh, the, the, the guys at Minnesota. Um, but um, but what what we are able to do now is to continue to have our backs flat out eat and if defenses want to try to stop our running backs from eating we'll be able to put those guys in conflict and really make them decide what what do they want to stop and we have some really good backs here so we should have an opportunity as wideouts to eat as well when defenses are trying to uh, uh, stop whether it be our, our, our tight ends, whether it be our, our running backs. Next up is Mark Brennan, Lions 247. Taylor, what have your initial impressions been of Jahan as a player? I know you haven't had an opportunity to work with him uh, on the field, but obviously I'm sure you've watched a lot of film and talked to him a lot. And this may be a stretch, but do you see any of yourself kind of in him? Kind of that you guys are both kind of the same size, not the biggest guys in the world, but uh, you know, kind of natural football players. Yeah, we, we you know, I talked with Han. We both got bird chests, you know. No, I'm joking. Um, Jahan is much more athletic than than I ever was. Um, he can do some things naturally that that I was more of a technical skilled guy. Um, he's a guy that has more athletic ability than than, than I have had. Um, and so that's what's what's exciting about him is that he has the athletic ability, and then to put the skill on top of it makes it a, a, a great combination. So um, you're right; I haven't had a, a a ton of time to work with him, but seeing what he's been doing now, what we did in winter workouts, uh, he's he. I, I really do believe that he is progressing to have, you know, uh, a big season. So I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the whole group because there, there's a lot, some, you know, there's some uncertainty there. And we're challenging. Shoot, I'm challenged. Uh, um, we are challenged and we are up for the challenge to, to bring it and to be consistent and to be explosive and to be tough. You're going to hear me say that quite a bit. And, and, and you're going to hear my guys talk about, about that kind of stuff because – that's what we want to be. Next up is Audrey Snyder with The Athletic. Hey, Taylor. Thanks for your time this morning. Um, hey. wanted to ask you about two two guys who came in here together, uh, TJ Jones and John Dunmore. Where do you see mm -hmm. both of those guys at right now? Where are the areas where both of those guys can grow and improve? Um, the, you know, those, you know, Florida Cats, they, they like to run, right? That, that's what that's – what, um, they're known for is, is shoot, being out there in the sunny weather playing football year round and and um you know you can tell when we when we have our zoom meetings that they're either just getting done getting a workout in or getting ready to get a workout in and so um you know we still have to remember that they're still fairly young and um so the progression and we're in we're in a new offense so um it is making sure that they are doing more than just what we are allowed to do to make sure that they are ready to go with what to do. Um, 
so that when we get to fall camp, we're, we're, we're going more into the technique side, more into the how to get things done, how to do it more than we would be if, than we want to be when they're talking about what to do. We don't, we want to be past that stage. And so, uh, that's something that I've been challenging all the guys, but specifically TJ and JD to make sure that they come in here prepared to know what to do so that we can work out all the kinks on how to do it. Next up is Nevias Wilborn, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hey, Coach, you actually kind of led into the question that I want to ask. Um, how is it working with all these receivers when you can't see them in full formations going over particularly new offense? Um, yeah, we, we got to come up with creative ways. We really do. Um, quizzes, um, whether it be, you know, a semi-walkthrough, small groups, um, ways to, that, that we can, uh, you know, in their rooms a little bit, right? See, see them line up here, line up there, but um, they're doing a great job of taking the resources that we have while being safe and not being around people to try to um, get things done both mentally and physically. And so we, and we, we, we've been challenged. I have a great GA, GA, Jeff Carpenter. He's been awesome with some of the, uh, the, the different uh, vehicles that we can use for, for um, quizzes that are interactive, that are time, um, that are time sensitive and also allows them to see the competition of the other guys in the room, see how fast they're getting it done and see what the score is. And so we, we are, we are definitely trying to make our room um, where we're not just sitting sitting there the entire time and just me having a uh, a monologue. It's been interactive. And, um, you know, I know that they've been going out and, and getting some work done. So we, we try to talk about some of the technique and we pull up some film of what we did do um, in winter camp because we had some periods of times we were able to do some individual work. And for them to truly work work on it and break it down to where you're crawling, you're walking, you're jogging to your sprinting so that it has that progression that they can get their body in, 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 in a position where they can learn that hard skill, not the soft skill, the hard skill of what we're looking for in regards to wide receiver play. Next up is Mike Carmen, Lafayette Journal. Uh, hi, Taylor, and I apologize to the Penn State media for throwing a Purdue question in here. Uh, but, you know, I, I think before you set the, uh, the reception record uh, back in 2004, Joe Tiller said he was surprised a skinny kid from Washington could catch that many balls. Uh, so how did a skinny kid from Washington end up at Purdue and playing for, for Coach Tiller? Um, one, I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to, um, you know, some, some people in my area, they like in my area, my hometown, it is, it is big time Washington state, big time university of Washington. And so, um, I wanted to do something different and there was actually a lot of Washington connections on that staff. I mean, coach Tiller had, had, um, had coached at Washington state, uh, the quarterback coach, uh, Greg Olson, uh, he's from basically an hour from where I'm from. Um, he coached my head coach in, in, in college. So there's tons of, um, of connections there. 
And shoot, I mean, I, I wanted to play in the Big Ten. Um, the Big Ten, you you always saw the Big Ten on, on TV, always. And um, it did help to have Drew Brees uh, being the quarterback at that particular time. And so um, it, it, it made it um, – and they were, you know, doing the basketball and grass. And so as a receiver, I was like, shoot, let me go ahead and, and uh, uh, go over there. And, and and at the same time, I didn't get recruited by Penn State. So uh, Purdue was a good fit for me. And that is Taylor Stubblefield. And, yes, he did play a game at Beaver Stadium with Drew Brees, and that was the 2000 game, which Penn State won 22-20, that I've always referred to as the Adam Talaferro game. Adam had been hurt against Ohio State the week before. It had been an incredibly emotional week that included a prayer service that was on the steps of Old Main. I emceed that prayer service back in 2000. All of us up on the stage holding hands. The emotion in the stadium was just I mean, incredible. And Penn State won the game 22-20. Breeze had a chance at the end to make a play. And Penn State was able to break it up. And that's a year that Purdue won the Big Ten. Purdue went to the Rose Bowl, but Penn State beat them that year in Beaver Stadium 22-20. There's an additional story to that that at least is a funny story, and I'll tell you that in the last half hour of the show. Right now, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Sal Palantonio next half hour brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Next half hour, Sal Palantonio. After watching NFL matchup, I can say you feel a lot smarter. Well, he's a big reason why. We'll talk to Sal Powell next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors.